Hi, everybody. This is Albert Hardy. This is Bible Prophecy Radio. We're going to talk today again about the hell hoodwink, the great hell hoodwink. A hoodwink is a lie. This is all available in my book on my website. The book is called Why Lie About Hell. The website is itellwhy.com or jesusiswhy.com. This is part two, and I wanted to read over again Luke 16, 19 through 31, the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and he fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, who was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, or his by his side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell i.e. the grave, this is Hades, not Gehenna. Um, Let's see. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Now see, that's where they sort of get sidetracked. But Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus likewise evil things. But now he's comforted, and you're tormented. And beside all of this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from here to you cannot, and neither can they pass to us who would come from there. Then he said, I pray you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, Well, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they would repent. And he said unto him, If they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Consider who he's talking to. This is the fifth in a series of parables he gave in one sitting. So I understand it. He's talking to the scribes and Pharisees and to his disciples. The apostles were right there gathered around Jesus. But um, anyway, he's talking to the scribes and Pharisees. So are they in the parable? Hmm. We know that God the Father is not there, that Jesus isn't there, that the Holy Spirit isn't there, and neither is the devil. Huh. So there's really only three people in this. There's Abraham, Lazarus, and the rich man. So, let's see if we can identify who the rich man is. 
Many Protestant pastors and teachers say that this is a play-by-play. This isn't a, a parable. No, 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 no. But it is. It's just like all the other parables. When I bring that up before these people, and I've done that before the elder board, and there's like a dozen guys in there, and they're all wealthy businessmen, and uh, so on. Cream of the crop. Yeah, right. But in reality, no, this is not a parable. This is... Well, and then... When I say that, they say, well, it's the only one of the parables, if it is one, that has names. And so what makes that think, what makes you think that changes anything? It's still a parable. It's a, a story that Jesus gave. It's actually quite remarkable. So let's see. Let's break this down a little bit. Um, who was it in Scripture, or where was it in Scripture that first mentioned um, clothed in fine purple and linen? Well, that'd be in Exodus 28, 1 through 6. That's where they were telling, or uh, Moses was giving directions from God to the people of Israel and setting up the priesthood. And that's what the priesthood was supposed to wear, purple and fine linen. And it stood for royalty, which is authority, and linen, which would be just the opposite, a common, uh, ordinary flax linen. And uh, that would represent the people and also common folk or um, just ordinary peasants and the like. But fine linen is found in king's houses. So there is a difference between fine linen and just ordinary burlap or, or, um, you know, just ordinary clothes. So who was gathered around them at that time? Is he talking to the disciples Well, actually, he is talking to the disciples, but he's also surrounded with the teachers of the law, scribes and Pharisees. Look at verse 14. And the Pharisees, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. And that's just one hint right there. I mean, it's not a hint. It says they were right there, and they heard all these things. So he is talking to the scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, and uh, teachers of the law and such. Jesus was a master of parables. So he's talking to the scribes and Pharisees that were sitting there. It's very interesting. Now, the linen is mentioned in Exodus 39, page, or, um, verse 27. 3927 Exodus. Let's just go there for a second. Well, let's start in uh, verse 1. And of blue and purple and scarlet, they made clothes of service. 
finely wrought garments to do service for the holy place or in the holy place and made holy garments for Aaron as the Lord commanded Moses. And he made an ephod of gold and blue and purple and scarlet and fine twisted linen. And they did beat the gold into plates, thin plates, and cut them into wires to work it into the blue and the purple and the scarlet and the fine linen with cunning, crafty work. And they made shoulder pieces for it, and it was coupled together. By two edges it was coupled, and the curious girdle of his ephod, and this is King James language, that was upon it, and this or was of the same, according to the work thereof, of gold and blue and purple and scarlet and fine twisted linen, as the Lord commanded Moses. Unquote. So from this we can easily see that this is just for the priesthood. Going back to Luke 16 now. Who was it among them that fared sumptuously every day? Well, that'd be the rich people, the scribes and Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the hypocrites. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Now, the word Lazarus is equivalent to Eleazar, and that would be the um, Hebrew equivalent of this Greek term Lazarus, this Greek name Lazarus. Lazarus was laid at the rich man's gate full of sores and desired to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. So he was probably starving to death. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Well, who did the Jews name as dogs? Was it not the Gentiles? This is a Gentile working for a Jew. The rich man was the Jew. And the um, the poor man or the beggar was named Lazarus. That's a Greek name. So it's Gentiles. Gentiles look down their noses at the um, the poor or the beggars or the dogs. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom or to his side, that is, in his fellowship. The rich man also died and was buried. A close relationship was going on between um, Lazarus and Abraham. But he didn't get buried. He got carried by the angels. So he wasn't even buried. But the rich man got buried. And in the resurrection at the last trump, he woke up from his grave, Hades. And he lifted up his eyes and looked around and realizing that he had done evil in his life, he was in torment because of that. Knowing what was going to happen to him was the second death, as it says in Revelation. And he sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus by his side. He realizes his fate, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Well, first of all, he wants mercy now, 
because he knows he's his fate is sealed. And he's asking Lazarus to go and serve him a little bit of water, just the tip of his finger in water to cool my tongue. Well, this is a symbol of him still serving the rich man as if he were one of his servants. Well, he's not going to get his wish. He says, For I am tormented in this flame. The Greek word for flame there is phlox. It means fire. But here's a quote right there from Isaiah 66 and verse 24. Let's go there a second. Verse 24 says, and this is Isaiah 66, They shall go forth and look upon the carcasses, the dead bodies, of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worm shall not die, and neither shall their fire be quenched. And they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. Unquote. These people are dead, and they are not coming back to life again. There's no resurrection for them. They're dead, and they're going to stay that way. So, their, But their fire will not be quenched. Doesn't that prove that hell is real and that it's going to burn and burn and burn them forever? The fire won't be quenched. What about their lives? Are their lives still going on? No. No. But it says their worms shall not die. So they have to have dead bodies for their worms to live in, right? No, no, no. First of all, what is a worm and why wouldn't it die? Well, it's a it's a, a an eating machine. It's a machine that God made to turn something that was alive into soil. That's what they do. If you watch an earthworm, he eats blades of grass and other things. He'll eat garbage and stuff like that and turn it into soil or fertilizer. That's his job. Same way with slugs. If you have slugs in your garden, don't kill them. Why? Because they're helping you build soil. What do they build it out of? Your plants. So you've got to find ways of keeping them where they don't get into what you want to eat yourself. They'll eat what you eat as well. But anyway, it's what's left over after a body dies. Let's say you hit a dog and it you couldn't find it. It went into the field someplace and laid there and died. Worms are going to eat that dead body. Everybody is aware of that, surely. So, it's what's left over. That's the principle. It's what's left over. The fire is not quenched. Their smoke shall go up forever and ever. Where's that found? Well, over in Jeremiah chapter 20, 23, and verse 40, he says this, And I will bring an everlasting reproach upon you, and a perpetual shame, which shall not be forgotten. I bet you never heard that before. A lot of people don't read their Bible, especially the Old Testament. Oh, But Jesus, in Luke 16, 19 through 31 is corroborating 
the Old Testament. Now, let's go from there to Revelation 19 and verse 3. And that says, And again, they said, Alleluia, and her smoke, that is, the smoke of Babylon burning, shall rose up forever and ever. Hmm. In verse 20, it says, And the beast and the false er, was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, the signs in his sight, in other words, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. In verse 10 of the next chapter, chapter 20, he says this, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire with brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet were cast, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. These are the big proof texts. But in reality, let's think about this. Islam is the beast, and the false prophet is Mohammed and every other world religion. That's what's going to disappear when Jesus returns. He's going to make all that go away. And eventually, according to Ezekiel 28, Satan himself will die the death he will burn with a fire from inside of him until he's dead and gone and never shall be again. That's in Ezekiel 28, 18 through 19. Long in there. It talks all about it, and it perfectly identifies Satan. He was in the Garden of Eden, and so on. So, he's going to die, the false prophet is going to be dead because he's going to get rid of all world religions. And that includes the beast, which happens to be Islam, if you ask me. That is a pagan religion, not a godly religion. Allah is a made-up God. It's not the real true God. It's not the one who created the heavens and the earth. And what did God say about that? He said that all the gods that did not create the heavens and the earth shall perish from off the earth. Where is that found? Jeremiah 10, 11. Here's what it says. Jeremiah 10, verse 11. Thus you shall say to them, the gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. God is establishing a new governmental system that's going to take over the world. And in his wrath, he will kill the armies. Now, wait a minute. You think Jesus is going to come and kill those guys? and set up a kingdom to rule in their place? Yep, it's exactly what I think. Look at what Isaiah told us in uh, chapter 2 and verse 18. Well, 17, we'll start there. 
and the loftiness of man shall be bowed down, and the haughtiness of man shall be made low. And the Lord alone will be exalted in that day, and the idols he shall utterly abolish. Unquote. You want to see proof that Jesus is coming back in wrath? Yes. Okay, well, in Isaiah 34, he says this, Come near you nations to hear, and listen, you people. And let the earth hear, and all that is therein, the world, and all things that come forth from it. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury upon all their armies. Well, who are the heads of all these armies? The commanders-in-chief, the kings. They're dead meat, if you ask me. For he says, right in the next breath here, in, in verse 2 of chapter 34 of Isaiah, He has utterly destroyed them. He has delivered them to the slaughter. Their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood, covered, saturated, if you will. And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and shall be rolled together as a scroll, which means you can no longer read the words or see the stars. And all their hosts shall fall down, as the leaf falls off the vine, and the falling fig from the fig tree. Well, those are the satellites that are out there now. Some 22,000-plus satellites are up there. What a mess. Well, they're all going to come down. That's my opinion, based on Matthew 24:29. For my sword will be bathed in heaven, or drink its fill in the air. Behold, it shall come down on Idumea. Well, where's Idumea? The Middle East. And who are the people that live in the Middle East? Well, it's mostly Islamic peoples. It's Muslims. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. It is made fat with fatness. And the blood of, with the blood of lambs and goats... And the kidneys of rams, the Lord, has a sacrifice in Basra and a great slaughter in that land, the land of Idumea. And you can read the rest, but it's pretty scary stuff. And you might ask, well, why would the earth be covered with smoke? Talking about that smoke. Well, in verse 9, you have your answer. The streams thereof shall be turned into pitch. What's pitch? Well, it's asphalt. It's tar. And their dust shall be turned to brimstone, and the land thereof shall become burning pitch. And it shall not be quenched night nor day. The smoke thereof shall go up forever and ever. It's the smoke that con that continues and not the people living in fire. People don't live in fire. They cook, and they don't last not long at all. When God kills someone, they will stay dead and not be raised again. Their spirit doesn't live on. We don't have immortal souls. C.S. Lewis taught us that years ago. He said, you are a soul. You, you don't have a soul, you are one, and that's exactly the truth.
There is another book I'd like for you to get a hold of if you can go to Amazon. It's by Edward William Fudge, F-U-D-G-E. And uh, he wrote a book called The Fire That Consumes. Ah. So hellfire consumes. It doesn't linger. You don't, if a person gets tossed in there, you're dead within seconds. It's going to be very, very hot. But you won't be lasting. You will be dead forever. Why would anybody want to go there? No. No way. Back to our story in Luke uh, 16, 19 through 31. In Hades, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. We already talked about that. And sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried, saying, Father, Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he might dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. He's not interested in getting doused with a bucket of water. He's interested in having Lazarus serve him, seems to me. If it were me and I was in a fire burning and burning, I would want to be cooled off with a bucket of water, not just a drop. Doesn't make sense. But when you're afraid, you get dry in the mouth. You lose your moisture. And so that's what's happening here, in my opinion. And keep in mind, this is a story. This isn't even a play-by-play -play at all. But Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things. Didn't the scribes and Pharisees fare sumptuously every day? Yes. Didn't they enjoy their good things, like prestige in the community? Yes. They were well-respected, and they were wealthy. They took money out of the coffers. When people paid their tithes, they ate out of that money. But anyway, didn't you in your lifetime receive good things and Lazarus likewise evil things? He had to work for everything he ever got, scraping and clawing for everything. But now he's comforted and you are worried or tormented. Beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf. Well, that's the difference between belief and unbelief. Lazarus, a Gentile, I'm a Gentile, by the way, not a Jew that I know of. Um, they believe. He said, he predicted that the Jews or the um, scribes and Pharisees and the Jews, all the Jews would not believe. You believe not. But the publicans and harlots believed him, and you afterward did not repent. If you would, turn over to Matthew 13 for a second. He spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. Now this is verse 3. Then again, he answered and said unto them, Because it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but not to them. And then in verse 
uh, 18, Hear you, therefore, the parable of the sower. He's just cranking them out one after the other. Verse 24, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. And then in 31, Matthew 13, 31, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the feather, <laughs> birds of the feather, birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. It's a slip of the tongue right there. Verse 33. Another parable spoke he unto them, The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole thing was leavened. That's a one-verse parable. Can you believe that? Wow. The point I'm making is that he was the master of parables, one after the other. He didn't even draw another breath. He kept right on going. Incredible. Over in Mark 4 and verse 34, well, 33. And with many such parables, he spoke the word unto them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, spoke he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all the things to his disciples. So clearly, this is certainly a parable. Well, we'll have to pick it up here again later. But suffice it to say that we are going to study this enough to where you really get an idea that, man, this is a foul doctrine. It's blasphemous. It paints God as a torturer, not just a killer, a torturer, a fiend. God is not a fiend, and he's not a torturer. Until next time, you can go to my website, itellwhy.com. Feel free to read my books. You can download a PDF copy of it to your desktop. You can read it at any time. You can, you can do anything you want to with it. I suggest you uh, print out a copy of it and take it to your pastor and see what he says. Let's see if we can get rid of this foul, blasphemous idea of everlasting or uh, eternal conscious torment. It's not found in the Bible anywhere. So guide them to my website if you want to. I've got nothing to sell there. Don't be afraid to go there because you don't want to buy something. You don't. There's no donate button or anything. It's all free in the public interest. I care about people and especially those brave souls who care about prophecy. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please tell your friends if you want to. Until next time, have a great day. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio.